0: God, I, I thought about this earlier this week when we do this, and sometimes I think my sense, and maybe some of you here would join me in having this sense, that does it make any difference when we ask you to do something? Uh, does it make any difference when I pray for the two men that I'm thinking of that you would draw them to yourselves? One of them I know seems far from you. Does it make any difference? But Jesus, we believe that it does. We believe that when you ask us, when you tell us to ask, you, you hear us, and you don't just shut your ears and say, that was nice to hear, let's go on with the next thing. You, you, somehow you respond. So, God, I do pray for these individuals we've just whispered to you, and maybe in our whispers we really are shouting to you, because we want to see you do something. Not just We want to see you do something in these individuals' lives. And I, If we're honest, I think we would be shocked if you did, because sometimes we don't expect you to do anything. But, God, I'm going to pray that you would do something in these individuals' lives, even this week, probably in ways we can't see, maybe in ways we can see, maybe in ways that we know. But we're we're asking you to draw them to yourself and attract them to Jesus, and whatever way you want us to be a part of that, we're we're in. We'll be a part of that, um, but we know that we can't manufacture that, but we can partner with you. So do what you say you do and draw people to yourself. And uh, make us ready and willing and able to be a part of that. And we ask this all in your name. Amen. Um, One other short thing the books, the Hudson Taylor books, if you have, I don't know if anybody started reading the book. Anybody started it yet? I mean, if you want. This is, I'm just, I I was reading, I've been reading maybe a chapter every few days, but um, it challenges my faith. It seems like. Every other chapter ends with, like, let me read three chapter endings. I'm not going to, this is not a spoiler thing. Like one chapter end, ends, uh, so Hudson and his wife assumed that this, this incident was now over and done with. It was a major incident. But that assumption turned out to be wrong. All right, so it's like, I didn't think that hard for them. Another chapter ends, uh, two days later, this person took a turn for the worst. It's like, oh, come on. And then another chapter ends... Hudson had no idea what desert dry times lay ahead, and I, it, 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 it's part of the writing style of the author. God, that makes you kind of want to read the next chapter, but it also I'm just like God. One of these one of these times in the chapter, and I actually said out loud, "Come on, God! It's almost like this is like Job. It's like and but but he kept pushing on, and it makes me it makes it challenges me to think. Hey, God, I I don't have faith near that. I want to have that kind of faith." I do not know how they handled. Their potholes weren't just potholes like you see in Bloomington. They were like gashes in the road where the car would get stuck. I mean, it was just like... So anyway, it's, it's not discouraging. It's eye-opening, and it's challenging to faith. So, um, like I said, literally this week, I said out loud after I read it, and I, I almost threw the book on the floor. I was like, come on, God. C- can we have a happy ending here? And it, it is a good ending and a strong ending. I haven't finished it, but I'm just saying his life was well-lived. But... Uh, the enemy was clearly against him, just like he is with us. So, if, if uh, read that, it's not like I said, it's not, a, it's not a hallmark chicken soup for the soul story. It's a challenging story of somebody who was absolutely committed to following Jesus and doing whatever, and then had a lot of issues, you know, almost Job like along the way. So, so anyway, uh, grab a copy, read it. Sometime, again, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out maybe after Easter we can have a couple different dessert gatherings at home where people can just talk about the book. Um, But like I said, when I read that this week, I'm just like, come on, God, come on. But that's how we react to our own lives sometimes. Come on, God. Can't this be easier for me? And uh, we have to have that wrestling match with God at times because he never promised us ease. He promised us deep peace and joy and contentment. He never promised us it would be easy. So, um, anyway. Um, Go to the next slide. So, I knew... uh, Uh, math education professor at one time and he was telling me he went into the grade school where his kids were going to school just to kind of get a sense of how teachers were teaching and stuff like that and they had this kind of problem on the chalkboard and the teacher was solving it this way okay one-fourth plus three-fifths let me give a quick disclaimer if you have math anxiety you can close your ears right now and not worry about this but one-fourth plus three-fifths, well, that would be one plus three is four. Four plus five is nine. It's four-ninths. And for those of you, that's not correct, right? But the te- you have to find a common denominator, which in the case is 20. You convert the numerators, blah, 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 blah. And the answer is not four-ninths. So this math education professor was in the back of the classroom watching this teacher do that. And he's like, so after class, he went up to him and he said, excuse me, just, just so you know, you weren't doing those correctly. I mean, you need to do this, and then do that, and then oh, she was, oh, thank you so much, thank you so much. Much to his chagrin, he went back two weeks later to do some more evaluation. She was doing the same thing, and he went after a class and he said, I "Didn't I think I told you that wasn't the right way to do that? I know, I know, but the kids and I we like it better this way." <laughs> So it's, it's kind of the, and it made me think that the, 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 the statement I'm thinking is, he's like, no, no, don't, don't do it that way. Do it this way. I mean, sometimes it's not just saying do it this way, but you also have to say, well, don't do it that way. Not that way, this way. I mean, if you're a parent you've told your kids when they've been learning how to tie their shoe or whatever, not that way, but this way. If you're a teacher in any scenario, no, no, don't do it that way. Do it this way. And uh, sometimes there's some parenting philosophies that never want to say, don't do it that way. I always want to do this. But sometimes, and we're going to look today where Jesus is very clear saying, no, no, no. Not this way. Don't do it this way. Do it this way. And there's a, there's a clear kind of rhythm in the passage we're looking at today. And before I get started, I need to, I need to bring in our outside friends here, which is a... Uh, let me turn this around the right way. This is our... This is our hypocrite friends with my picture on there, if you remember that. This is the Pharisee picture. If anybody wants a copy of their own picture, I can put a beard and Pharisee hat on you. But, but most of this, most of the passage in the Gospels, when you think about the Gospels, think about Jesus, he did not, he wasn't crucified because he was too nice. He was crucified because he, he primarily messed with these people. And I put my face in there by joke, but also I want to, we all can be kind of pharisaical. So a lot of the not this way, but this way is Jesus is saying, don't do it like they do it. And they're standing there. So he's not like hypothetically kind of throwing them under the bus. He is throwing them under the bus as they're standing there. And they have power. Yeah, the Jews, Israel was occupied by Rome, but they had power. They had political power. They had pull even with the Roman power. So, this whole idea of don't do this, do this, that we're going to look at today. So, we've been doing a series called Follow Jesus. There's nothing like him. I have my big sign up here because the Gospel of Matthew is really at the core. It's Matthew, who was this unlikely convert, who eventually wrote, documented all this, you know, 20 or 30 years after Jesus' resurrection. And he was documenting, okay, this is, this is, I mean, his whole book, in essence, would be him walking up and down the street with this sign. Follow Jesus. There's nobody like him. Follow Jesus. Nobody says what he says. Nobody does what he does. Nobody is, at its core, who he is, what he is. Follow Jesus. I mean, he's, Matthew has what I would call a really healthy obsession about that. So, uh, so then, so we're going to look at chapter six today. Chapter six, um, and I'm trying to do Matthew by doing a whole chapter at once. I mean, you could always preach it with smaller passages, but sometimes I like to look at the, the big themes. Incidentally, chapter and verse divisions weren't introduced to the Bible until about 150 years ago. They weren't, They wasn't written that way. It was written, if you look at the ancient scripts, it's just, it's not even paragraphs, it's just, and so the chapter divisions and verses aren't necessarily inspired. They're helpful for us in organization, just an aside there. So, um, but he's teaching, he just finished, well, he didn't finish the Sermon on the Mount, everything he does is part of that, but he's telling people, this is how you live the good life. You know, we tend to think the good life is material possessions and a great reputation or whatever, and he's telling them, no, no, this is not, and if you remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about, on the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about how do you live a life without contempt, where you you don't have... You don't hate people. You forgive those who hate you. Your marriage doesn't have contempt. Your relationships don't have contempt. But you live a life free of contempt. These guys were experts in using contempt to manage people's behavior. All right? I, one author called it condemnation engineering. I, and you know this. If you have a teacher, a parent, or whatever, you know you can get your kids to behave by, by applying appropriate fear and condemnation. I'm not saying there's not appropriate times for fear, but condemning them can get, you know, so they were good at that, all right? So Jesus, seen had a good life. So Matthew 6, go to the next slide. So it kind of starts, go to the next one. That's, that's the Pharisees, right? So keep this in mind. This don't do it this way, and I have it pointing over here intentionally. Sorry that the cows are sitting over here. They're not part of this picture, all right? Um, instead, do it this way, and the, this way is kind of the Jesus way, all right? Not this, but this. Don't do it this way. Do it this way. And, and there's a number of issues in this chapter, a number of kind of habits and practices where that is, is like this concurring, recurring theme in this way, all right? So let's go to the next slide. So, the first thing he talks about is this, this, this human nature issue that we want to have others think highly of us, we want to impress other people, we want to have a good reputation. So, he starts off by saying, okay. So when you do your acts of goodness, when you do good things, don't be like the hypocrites. I mean, he uses that word. Don't be like the hypocrites. Because when they do good things, they blow trumpets, they announce, look how good of a person I am. He says, don't do that. And then he talks about praying. Okay, when you pray, don't, he actually says, don't be like them, the hypocrites. Because when they pray, They love the public prayers. And I hope you've never thought this about me, but I'm sure you've been in churches where you you have a sense that somebody's praying out loud and they're really trying to impress you more than they're impressing God. And I'm I'm saying that because it's true. We see that happen. You you know that. when, When they pray, they love to have the primary seats and they love the people know that they're the spiritual ones. And usually their prayers are long and loud, and it's more about them than it is about God. The phrase I've used before is image management. We love even in the religious world as followers of Jesus, but we shouldn't do it this way, but even in the religious world we love people to think highly of us. We want to be thought as good spiritual people. They were experts in that. So first he said when you do good things, don't blow your trumpet about it. When you pray, don't draw attention to yourself. Don't don't. Yeah, you might be asked to pray out loud in certain scenarios. That's okay, but don't draw attention to yourself and don't be obsessed with, is this going to be impressing the people I'm praying with? Because it's more about God than, than you're right. And then he said, now when you fast, don't be like them. I mean, It's just, you can, you can imagine if you were one of these guys over here, how agitated they were getting. And this was not a one-time deal of Jesus. He did this all the time. So now when you fast... Don't be like them, because when they fast, which is a spiritual habit, it's good even now to practice that at times, but they practice it on a regular basis. Usually the Pharisees practiced twice a week, fasted twice a week. But when they fasted, they would dishevel their hair. They would intentionally look disheveled because they wanted people to know, I'm fasting right now. I'm a spiritual person. But Jesus said, no, when you do those kind of things, Do it in secret before God. God knows. God knows. I mean, it's... So he's talking about doing good things, praying, fasting. Don't do them to impress other people. And again, part of our human nature is we want people to have a good reputation about us. We want that. This is understandable. But don't use religious practices to get that, to get praise from others. It was interesting. I was... uh, Years ago, I went to a. Uh, it was like a two-week-long kind of conference, mostly of pastors. And you can imagine, it's sad, but it's true. Uh, pastors always like to jockey to see who has the biggest church, the best ministry, or whatever. And it's, it's kind of sad. But I've played the game before, and I'm, I think I'm I'm done with that game. But there was a part of the week, and and the, and the person leading the seminar was it was really interactive. But he was totally into helping us deal with how we want our need to impress others. So part of the week included a 24-hour period where there was probably 50 of us, 60 of us. No talking, 24 hours of silence. But yet we ate meals together still three times that day, and we're around each other in different areas. And he said this, and when he said it, I thought, I don't know, but he said, notice during the times of silence especially said during meal times when you're around other pastors who we love trying to impress each other he said notice the times you feel an impulse to talk more often than not your impulse to say something is somehow trying to manage your image to make others at the table think better of you and when he said that i thought no and then throughout the day i was like oh that's exactly what i was going i was going to say something that would make this pastor think i'm good at my job or and so we do it more than we realize we, we say and do things so others have a favorable opinion of us. I'm not saying you shouldn't. You know, if somebody says, you know if, you know, if John Kensington does a great job in school and a principal says, you did a good job teaching that class, you don't need to say, no, it wasn't me, it was somebody else. No, it, it, take, take compliments. But this sense of drawing talk, like an emotional vacuum cleaner, I'm trying to draw compliments to myself. At least I know I can do that. I'm thinking you probably know you can do that too. We love to figure out ways where we can get a little bit of pat on the back. And it's okay to be encouraged and be encouraging, but if you're seeking it like these guys were experts at, if you're seeking it, Jesus says, Don't do that. It will kill your soul. You will shrivel. So he he, not only does he, when he talks about prayer, not only does he say don't be like the hypocrites, he adds in there, don't be like the pagans. I don't know if the pagans may not have been listening in. I don't, have a, I don't, know, I don't know what kind of picture would represent pagans, but think about some of your friends and neighbors who don't follow Jesus. And then pagan isn't like a derogatory term. It's just a reality term. He says, don't pray like them because they, when they pray, they just repeat kind of endless phrases thinking that God's going to hear them. Now, here's my example of that. So I did chaplain for IU football for eight years and I've been around other football environments and it always amazes me when a secular high school or a college the coach leads them in the Lord's Prayer before the football game it's like half these guys were drunk last weekend or sleeping with girls or you know so it's like they do the Lord's Prayer but it's kind of like well not kind of it is what I think it's a rabbit's foot in case praying matters I better pray and Maybe there's times, Jesus says, don't be that way. There's probably times where you and I have prayed about something only because we're in a situation where, we, well, in case it matters, I better pray. And I don't think that's true of most of us because I know most of you here, so I'm just saying. But uh, he says, don't, don't pray that way either. Don't, don't pray to impress others, and don't pray like it's some kind of a magic thing that if you pray the right way, God will do something for you because that's pagan thinking. That's not Jesus thinking. And he talks in the middle, in the middle of this whole chapter, he talks, he gives a kind of a picture of the Lord's Prayer. And we'll talk about that in a second. But that's kind of the core of, okay, so the first part of the chapter is don't try to be impressive to other people. Especially don't use spiritual habits to try to impress people. Um, do things before God. There's been times, and I, I thought about doing this today, but it was going to be too much kind of paperwork. There's been times where I've encouraged people, and I've done this, I've sent a gift card or cash to somebody, um, and I didn't intentionally did not sign it and did not uh, let them know where it came from. And this was sometimes I've done it when there are people I just need to forgive. These aren't forgiveness people, these are people that I just want to bless them. And there's times where I feel like God wants me to do it anonymously. Fibers of my heart are crying, but I want them to know it was me that gave them the money. Or the gift card to you know wherever and there's times where the god says back to me why does that matter Should, shouldn't it just matter if i know that you're being generous to them yeah god i want the, i want them to know that i'm generous too and he's like why does that matter so maybe that's a, something you can do this week go buy a 25 dollar gift card at a nice restaurant mail it to somebody that you just want to encourage you know right left-handed or right-handed right you know so they can't trace your handwriting or whatever and just put it in there and no reason And if they start talking about it, it works in a couple days, like, hey, I got this gift card from nobody. Everything in you is going to be like, it's me, it was me, it was me. But then keep your hand down. God knows, right? So there's things we can do that can break our habits of wanting to impress others, all right? That's part one of chapter six, all right? Now, part two of chapter six is this. Don't do this, do this. And he talks about money. And I don't... Again, he wasn't, I don't think he was pointing to affairs. In this case, he was probably pointing to all the rest of culture. Don't do this. Don't store up treasures on the earth. Instead, store up treasures in heaven. Don't worry about what's happening. Don't worry about what's, how to clothe yourself. Don't in other words, don't worry about financial things. Don't be obsessed with financial security. And if you didn't notice, but my S up there was a dollar sign. I thought it was pretty clever on my part, all right? Not that clever, really, but don't try to keep up with the Joneses. And you might say, I might say, well, that's easier said than done. Jesus, I got to do this. I got to do this. And you know, there's there's people whose full time job is to help us figure out how to save money and save for your retirement, and do this and do this, and save for your kids' college education. And so this whole latter part of chapter six. He talks about don't store up treasures for yourself. That sometimes makes me wonder about, you know, we have, what, $50,000 in the Exodus checking account. There's times I wonder, I don't want to be storing up that treasure. That's why we try to give money away a lot, right? Because I don't think the goal is to store up treasure that can become bigger and bigger because that's where we're going to find our security. We find our security in the fact that financially we're going to be okay. I'm not saying you shouldn't save money or things like that but to the point that becomes like a goal or a, almost an idolatry it's it's a Jesus is saying don't don't do that don't build your life don't build your sense of security in life on your you know bank account on your retirement account on your paycheck that's not that's not going to be the indicative of your, how secure you are in life and you know that's where he says, "So don't worry about your life." <laughs> and that's where many of you, myself included, would be like, "Oh, that's easy to say, Jesus. You haven't seen my bills lately. It's easy to say, Jesus. You don't know what's going about me." Know. But Jesus, I tell you this: Don't worry about your life. Don't be like them. In this case, them is the rest is the Joneses, and we all know who Joneses are. Sometimes we can be like the keeping up with the Joneses. Don't be like them. Because they're always trying to figure out how to secure their life and ultimately secure their soul because they find peace and rest. They find their peace and rest in financial security. Because don't be that way. Don't worry about Don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and body more than clothes? And... We all have food and clothes, so yeah, we don't worry, but we worry about money. So Jesus is hitting kind of, two, kind of a one-two punch to our spiritual dysfunction. One is, don't spend your life trying to impress people. Your, your good reputation should be because you have a good heart, not because you're manufacturing your image by how you say and do things. Then he also says the other thing that's dangerous for your soul is where you find your security in money. And where you find your treasure is going to be you where your heart is. Um, but don't find it in money. I mean, part of the reason, even like when we send, where's the envelope with the, the gift card stuff? And then somebody have it? Just, part of the reason we send that, all right. It's like, okay, so we're sending money to Darcy Martone, it's 50 bucks. Actually, in this case, it's, what, it's 85 bucks, All right, of gift cards. So he says where your, treasure, where your heart is is where your treasure will be. Mm-hmm. So if we send... This is how I think about it. When we send a treasure to another church in Bloomington, then really our hearts follow because we, we, we love that church. We love the kingdom of God in Bloomington. So there's an intricate money-heart connection. So to some degree, wherever your money goes in terms of your generosity, in this case, like giving money to to E.J. and his wife at Genesis, where your money goes tells us where your treasure is. And sometimes you have to make the discipline of giving your money away like that, and then your heart starts to follow, and you, and you you reorganize what you treasure. So there are habits you can do. You can you know, give money away, give money to another church, give whatever, there are habits you can do that can reorganize your treasure priorities. Um, There's been a couple times in my life when I felt most financially stressed, not often I don't do this, but I have done it a number of times, when I felt really stressed financially, I felt like God was saying, okay, give something away, give money away, because it reorders my treasure. Because my treasure at that point is I'm financially. I want to be financially secure. I feel, I'm not. I'm anxious. I'm worried. When Jesus says, "Well, give give a hundred dollars away," my first reaction is, "What?" Then it's like, "No, no, just do it," because you need to reorder the priority that you're treasuring these things. So Jesus is saying this, and you can imagine the the, the people in the crowd. First of all, they've been told their whole life: you live life with this religious impressibilities. And then they're surrounded by Joneses in their life, who are always trying. They're always trying to keep up with, and they think, "Well, life has to be either this or that." And just said, "No, no, don't live that way. Don't live that way. You're free not to live that way." And then right in the middle of this chapter, and I, I, you know, we don't we don't always know the exact order Jesus said things, but for some reason Matthew wrote it in this order. But I just I think the middle, he's it's in the middle to kind of anchor the whole chapter. Right in the middle, he says, "Okay, so pray like this." When he says, "Don't, don't pray this way, don't fast this way, don't show your good works," and then after this statement, he's like, "Don't worry about money." But right in the middle, he says, "Pray like this." Well, if Jesus, if you ever see this in Scripture, or Jesus says, "Pray like this," probably a good idea to stop and read it, right? And one of the things we've said a number—I've had on these for I don't know, a year and a half now. Two things really important to think about as followers of Jesus, maybe the core things, how do we honor the Holy Spirit and how do we pray like Jesus? Well, if Jesus is telling us to pray a certain way, it's probably good, right? So he says, pray like this. All right, this is what he says. And th- this is, a, this is a, uh, maybe a shortened version of what most of us know the Lord's Prayer because every one of the Gospels that includes it has a little different nuance on it. So he probably talked about this model for prayer often. Not just one time, but it probably was like often. All right? And he's not saying, you know, it's good to pray this prayer verbatim. If you grew up in a liturgical church, you know, whether Episcopal or Catholic or Lutheran, this might have been part of the regular habits. It's not bad. But he's not saying only pray this way, but it's kind of praying, pray according to this kind of theme. Pray with this kind of attitude. All right? And I'm going to just go through it here. And there's, there's three different themes that I want you to kind of think about, about maybe telling us, helping us how to pray. And I'm going to use uh, hand motions to describe that, all right? Not, not goofy hand motions, but I think are helpful, all right? So he starts off this way. Our Father, and he said, pray this way. In other words, so you're not going to be like that, and you're not going to be like the Joneses over here who keep up financial security things. But instead be these kind of people. Pray this way. He said, because God already knows what you need. All right? Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as in heaven. That part of the prayer, if I could give a hand, it'd be like this. It's like, God, I, it, may, you be, may your name be holy. It's, it's about you. It's not about me. It's about what your kingdom is all about, the values that you have, God. May that be true and in, the in, in in this world, but also in my life. But it's, it's, it's a way to take yourself out of the center of the universe, because we're not. Somebody in a book once wrote, you have to get to the point spiritually to realize life is not a movie all about you. All right, life is a movie, in a sense, all about the, the kingdom of God. So it's this, okay, God, I need to acknowledge. So if you struggle with either this or keeping up with the Joneses, maybe there's times you just need to realize, okay, hey, God, I'm Father in heaven, your name is great. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Not mine, but it's you are the center. Not just of the universe. You're the center of my universe. And I, I get life from you. All right? So that's the first part. All right? Then it says, give us today the food we need. Well, that, I'll say this is my hand motion for that one. God, give me, well, it's like a kid. Hey, come a cookie. I'm, give me this. It's not a give me attitude, but it's when a child will look to you and say, you know, they have their hand open. And this totally, this statement alone, give us, you know, the t- traditional version, give us today our daily bread. This is just a different translation. Give us today we food the food we need. Totally goes against this keeping up with the Joneses, building your treasure for financial security. God, give me what I need. The Lord is my shepherd; I have all that I need. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd; I have all that I need. I've actually prayed that at times when I felt stressed financially. The Lord is my shepherd; I have all that I need. Hoping that maybe the money would drop in my hand, but it doesn't. But you know what I mean. But the Lord is my shepherd. God, I know you have. I have all that I need, and you will give me all that I need. I'm not going to go begging. My kids won't go without clothes. My car won't go without gas, so to speak, but I, give me today what I need. And in some ways, you're also saying, and don't give me more than I need, because maybe I can't handle that, all right? So, Father in heaven, it's all about you, it's not about me. Give me what I, give, give me what I need. You know, the, it kind of goes back to the man in the wilderness, where every day they could pick up man in the wilderness, but if they picked up too much, it went rotten, They had to go out every day to get the manna, every day. And if they tried to hoard it, the extra stuff went rotten. And again, it makes me think about, I never want to be a church that hoards our money because I think it can go rotten, right? That's part of the reason we try to give money away. Don't hoard it. Don't build up a big account for future days because we don't know. Just don't hoard it. But Father in heaven, may your name be great. It's about you. It's not me. Give us today our daily bread. Give me what I need. And I don't know which one of these is more uh, relevant to you right now. And then the last one, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Don't don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. My motion for this was just going to be this right here. God, give me the kind of heart I need and guard me. And I'm doing this because um, I, I go occasionally... I think I've told you this. I go occasionally to uh, uh, the noonday mass at St. Paul's on campus. And uh, some people have asked me, n- nobody here has asked me this, but people have, I've had other people ask me, why do you do that? And I was like, well, they, they read Old Testament, they read New Testament. They confess sins, and they celebrate the life and death of Jesus in, 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 in communion. And I was like, that's not a bad thing to be, Right. But there's a, there's a part where they have this prayer of confession. And I don't know all the, some of you might have grown up Catholic, John. You might know all the hand signals and motions and timings. I'm still, I still kind of watch around to see what else is doing. But there's a prayer of confession. And I don't think they do it every time, but they do it often. And they talk, there's a part where they say, My sin, my sin. And at that time, they do this. And it's not like, if you watch basketball yesterday, somebody makes a great shot to do, Yeah, it's not that. It's the passage in Scripture where Jesus has a Pharisee over here who's saying, I'm not like this sinner. I'm a good person. And then he says over here, there's this tax collector who's beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I know I need you. So that the sense in the Catholic mass and their liturgy, when they do that, it's more of a, I know what my heart can be like apart from you in my heart. I know I'm by nature not a forgiving person. I know I love to harbor and foster hurt. And forgiving someone is, I think, is the most difficult human, one of the most difficult human things to do. And it's very unique to Christianity, if you study other world religions. And I think there's a reason it's unique. draw back to the cross as well. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. And just don't, don't lead, and protect me from the evil one. Rescue us from the evil one. Guard my heart. So, God, you're great. You're sinning in the universe, not me. Give me what I need and help me have the kind of heart. Break me of my addictions to sins. Help I want to be a forgiving person, but guard me from the evil one because I know there's an evil one who wants me to fall. So in this whole chapter of chapter six, again, he's just saying, if you're trying to be a spiritual, living a good life person, don't be like that don't be like the Joneses. Pray like this. Let that be the posture of your heart toward God and see what he will do. And again, the people, as we often read, the people become amazed at his teaching because it's like we've never heard this before. But it's life-giving. All right, so go to the back last slide, which is the same. So follow Jesus. I mean, when Jesus says, don't be this way, follow him. When he says, don't be like the Joneses, follow him. When he says, pray this way, I mean, maybe it's good for some of us, some of you, maybe you just, maybe for the next week, instead of reading the chapter day of Matthew, maybe you just read chapter 6 and zero in on the Lord's Prayer and just pray that out loud every day and see what God hi- highlights to you, see how you pray. That, it's a good way to kind of venture out from there, but that's a good central place to start. It'll take you What? two minutes to read that passage, maybe 90 seconds. Do it once in the morning for a number of days. Who knows? Who knows what God might start stirring in you? But he says to follow him, so that's what we do. That's what we hope to do, long to do. So we have communion every Sunday at Exodus, and um, we do it, And again, because we it's kind of like the whole message of Jesus in Matthew 6. We're not trying to be good people. But we acknowledge we can't be those kind of people. We want to live the good life. We want to be good people. But it begins right here. It begins with what Jesus did for us on the cross. He broke the curse over our lives that keep us in, that keep us enslaved to sin, keep us enslaved to impressing other people, and keep us enslaved to finding financial security in the size of our bank account. He, he he came to set us free from those despicable chains, right? So Jesus said this is the, moment, the night he was betrayed before he was going to um, be arrested. And just maybe, maybe, maybe nobody wonders, but I think about this. So Easter is three weeks in the day, is that right? Three weeks in the day? So I will kind of go out of order in Matthew. We'll jump ahead from the Easter passages, and then we'll jump back. So maybe next week we might start into the close to Easter passages. Um. But it talks about the, I think it's maybe in 24, 23 chapter, talks about the, so this is my body broken, given to you. My blood shed for you. This is my body given to you. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember me and you proclaim me. Alright? So if nothing else, remember what he said. Pray like this. Remember what he did. Don't be this way, be this way. Every time we eat this and drink this, it's the Remember, not religiosity, remember Jesus. Be like this, all right? So Aaron, come on up, get ready to lead us, and I'll pray. So Jesus, we... If we're honest, which I think everybody here, we're honest, we can be like the people we don't want to be like. We do things incorrectly. We have a spiritual paradigm that we still desperately want to be thought of well by others and we still desperately want to have financial security and then beyond that it's okay to be religious but we don't want to be just that, we want to be at our core women and men and girls and boys who trust you and that you're the center of the the universe, not us but you also are incredibly faithful in providing everything we need and you guard our hearts, and you fill our hearts with forgiveness. You rescue us from the evil one. We're grateful, and we take this today. This juice and this bread is gratitude uh, that you've set us free to be those kind of people. And so we follow you. And we ask it all in your name. Amen.